Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Kings of Anglia Fan Social. I'm your host as ever, Ross, and uh, we are here earlier than normal. Normally we are your Friday slash weekend listen, but unfortunately there's no flagship Kings of Anglia show until later in the week as the boys are on holiday slash off slash doing something else. Um, so I'm bringing you the fan social earlier than normal. I'm joined by David, Bono and Bloomers to break down the Wigan draw. Talk about all the other bits and bobs going around town. Still no town manager been appointed. And also we've got a Barrow game, a replay up in Barrow in the FA Cup live on TV. Uh, please don't get embarrassed. Please win. And uh, we get a prize at Barnsley uh, at Oakwell uh, for that third round tie. So look forward to that one if we do get there. Um, but let's get into introducing the men that are joining me this week. First up, David, who I saw in Wigan. He got home safely, which is good to see. David, welcome back to the show. And uh, did you enjoy your trip to Wigan, your first away game for a while? The first, first one since Lincoln. I'm undefeated away this season. Um, yes. Um, I hate the M6. The M6 is a loathsome hellhole. Um, but, yeah, I, I did. Um, I had concerns at halftime, but they were addressed, which is what I've been asking for all season, is the fact that when there's something obviously wrong, you have a tweak, you change something. You don't have to just throw a new player in, you just have a little tweak. Um, you know, in that halftime thing where KVY and Danassian swapped over made a difference. Um, you know, and it's all you need to do is do those, do those little things. And it's and if, if I wouldn't have been on Cook's back if he'd been making little adjustments in games, um, it wasn't pretty, but there was fight. And that's all I ever asked for is the fact that you, you fight and you work hard, and they fought and they work hard. Um, there's one player who I still don't see the point of, a couple of those others who I've been hypercritical of. Um, went some way to suggesting they are actually vaguely players. Um, so, yeah, generally, I'm I'm pleased with that as progress things. And, they, and you just did that basic thing of working hard, running hard, shutting down and being a team rather than a bunch of overpaid mercenaries, um, which is what I think we've had most of this season. So, yeah, yeah pleased. Definitely. And um, we'll, we'll talk about Wigan more in depth in a second, um, breaking down the back-to-basics approach. 4-4 fucking two. I'm sorry to swear there, but it was basically that. Um, but Matt, over to you. You were there in Wigan you as well. before me. That's not on. I know. I know. That is... <laughs> I had to get it in there. I had to get in there first before uh, David brings in his um, standard swear words. Although you've been good recently. Um, but Matt, you were there in Wigan. Uh, very wet uh, Wigan. Uh, how was your trip? Um, you got home safely as well, which is good to hear. Um, how are you, my friend? Well, hello, good evening and welcome. I am absolutely dandy and I am still recovering from an absolutely fantastic day, darling, in Wigan. And I'm looking forward to going to um, Barrow in Furness in two days time. It's going to be an adventure. And when you're 40 and married with kids, there's not a lot of adventures that you can uh, go on anymore that won't get you in trouble so uh, but yeah Wigan um fantastic a uh, really good journey good to see so many town fans in good voice at the Red Robin public house a Green King public house which is a bit odd going all that way seeing Green King Barry St Edmunds kind of <laughs> kind of everywhere but it was it was good I liked it and um yes we will talk about the game in more depth very very soon 
most well sellers ever, my friend. And um, I still love that coat that you've got, by the way. The Italian league. Is that just Cro- Croton or something? Was it called? Crotone, the Sharks. Well, yes. So, um, yeah. I, love I just love that. Just love that. Every time I see you and I see you in it, I'm just like, oh, that's just beautiful. If you haven't seen it, watch game day, watch any other, or see any pictures of, of Bono, and you'll, you'll agree it looks beautiful indeed. Um, and the final man that is joining us this week, he wasn't in Wigan because he was enjoying himself in Scandinavia. I still, I think he was still in Scandinavia at that point. Uh, that is Bloomers. Uh, you enjoyed a trip in Iceland. How was that? You've calmed down since the uh, last time I spoke to you on game day. Um, if you watched game day after the Charlton game, uh, which was very understandable because it was a, a miserable night in Charlton. But how are you, Bloomers? And how was your trip? Thanks, Ross. Um, the trip was absolutely lovely. I think it was timed pretty well, considering that um, less than 24 hours after the Charlton shambles, I was in a different country, which allowed me to kind of clear my head amongst a lot of ice and snow. Um, you say that I've calmed down. I haven't. And and this might be because I didn't see the Wigan game. I was on a, on a bus to Keflavik Airport. Um, and trying to check 365 in a country where 365 technically isn't allowed. So my coverage of the game was uh, quite minimal. Um, And it's probably because of that why I still feel the way I do. I'm still... I think I'm I'm personally wears his heart on his sleeve, especially when it comes to football. And anybody who's been around me for any length of time would know that's a true statement. Um, In the 20, let's say, what, 21 years I've properly supported Ipswich and, and been to, you know, the vast majority of games. I reckon last Tuesday night was the angriest I've ever been. No, normally, sort of the anger comes and goes after 20 minutes, half an hour of a game because you get annoyed at the result. And then a lot of the time, if something bad happens or really bad happens in football, subjectively bad, um, you know, I'll just be just sort of woe is me. But that's the first time I, I've really kept the anger and, and it still hasn't gone away. Um, so I think this will quite be an interesting podcast because um, we've got one, uh, two people who went to Wigan, one person who's going to Barrow and then one person who's kind of sort of been a bit sheltered from it the last week or so. Um, so we might have some differing opinions. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yes, let's get right into it and stop clicking your mouse, Bloomers. And that was you. <laughs> That's a force of habit. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Anybody who was hearing that clicking, it was Bloomers, but it's fine. We, we still love them for Bring, it. Bringing up um, my 800 stats for the podcast. Yes, yes, that's the thing. That's, that's what you're here for. Stats. David's here for the tactics. Bono is here for the beautifulness. He's just there. He's just crack. here for that. For the crack. For the crack. I'm just here to be a shambles at standard. Um, but let's go and break down the Wigan draw. A well-deserved point. Back to basics, as I said. Norwood, on his return, on the bench, came off the bench and scored. Uh, of course, Wigan did take the lead. Um, a set piece, not a good set piece goal to concede. Will Keane also scored in the game, but it was offside. Wigan fans not very pleased that it was offside and they were going 2-1. Very, yeah, yards in it. But David, um, your overall thoughts on the result. Um, you briefly mentioned it in your intro bit, but overall thoughts. And um, yeah, in the first half, it was a bit worrying, wasn't it? Um, yes, no. I thought that nil-nil would have been fair enough at halftime. Um we created very little in the first half, but we worked hard. Um, but then Wigan created very little either. Um, you know, it, it, so I didn't think they deserved to be one nil up at halftime. But equally, full time, I thought one one was fair enough. I think it was bang on the right result for the for the game. Um, the things that were concerning in the first half, the, 
I have issues, and this this is not a thing with everybody else's because I know he's god to ninety percent of town fans. I have issues with KVY. Um, I think that his stock rose to astronomical levels because he spent so long on the treatment table. Um, he played seven games before he got injured. He came back too early. He played two more. Then he was out for eighteen years, and in that in that time, then. He he became a myth and a legend for no apparent reason, as far as I'm concerned. Um, he had he had he came in and he he improved a frankly shit side under Lambert. Um, and then because we were crap, then everyone went well. As soon as he comes back, then it'll be great. But that's the same thing as you had with Sears or Bishop, where everyone said, "Well, once they're back, that's like a new signing." Um, possibly a new Lambert signing, but not actually a worthwhile signing. Um, KVY again get got caught. He was too narrow, and he got caught up the pitch, and that's been the problem every single time he's played there. Um, he looked better in the second half. That 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 little tweak, nice in-game changes and things like that. Danassian went one side, he went the other, and it was a lot better because Danassian didn't have to turn onto his weak foot. I think KVY is better with both feet, so he played better at left back than um, Danassian was. Um, yeah, I think it, it was, I mean, replay, it was offside and Wigan fans are a bunch of miserable moaning scumbags, aren't they? Um, gobby little shits <laughs> for no apparent reason. I mean, just shut up. Your your side were rolling on the floor. I mean, there was one in the second half where he collapsed as if somebody had just thwacked him with a large plank of wood and there was nobody within five yards of him. The fact that the referee just let it all go suggests it was all bollocks. Um, personally, I think the referee should have been stronger and booked them for play acting because it's not on. Um, but equally, he wasn't having any of it. He wasn't getting involved. He just went, oh, get up, pathetic little worm. But no, I mean, they, the Wigan fans in the pub, very much the same. Hardworking, decent. Um, both sides deserved a point. And I, I think that's where we were. And I think that a big part of that was... I think that the Charlton game is a wake-up call to a lot of players. And I've been hugely critical across the whole season with the way in which our players can't be asked coming over to the fans. I said it way early on in the season. I can't remember which game it was. And I got loads of grief because somebody was saying, all I want is happy, clappy players and I don't care about a performance. And it's not that. It's basic respect. Against... Um, Arsenal um, primary school under eight, whoever we lost to the other week, where half of them players disappeared off down the tunnel. Enciala didn't even vaguely look towards us. 4,000 people could be bothered paying a tenner to go and watch a bunch of schoolboys beat us. And the players just go, yeah, whatever. Morsi, on more than one occasion this season, has just like given sort of like a couple of half-hearted claps in the centre circle and then buggered off. And I just think it's out of order. It was really noticeable, the difference against Wigan, the way they all came over. Um, and that might be McGreal, because McGreal was behind them as well. So it might have been that he was prodding them. But I suspect that's part of the discussions they had as well, is the fact that they need to start doing something about that, because um, I'm unimpressed. 
not just Chambers, but I can't imagine that McGreal, when he was here, or anybody else would have just been going, yeah, right, we've we've played a game, we've played well, we've played badly, I'm buggering off now, sub the fans. Um, so I was pleased with that reaction, and I think it the, the general commitment was something I was pleased with. Um, there's one player who I still think is, I don't understand why he's in the team. Um, I still think that Piggott is... I will tell you in a minute, Bono. I still think that Piggott is, he works hard, but he's hes a younger version of um, Ollie Hawkins, isn't he, really? Um, I'd well, rather see Bono. Controversial, controversial. I, but I said it on game on. day a while back. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen anything to change that opinion. He, he's, he's a big, strong individual, but I don't see a great deal there. I'd rather have Bon and Norwood. I nearly went for Norwood on my pre-match, sort of this is the team I want. And I thought that's a tall order coming in from the cold straight to start. But yeah, I was pretty pleased to see him back. Um, and I don't really give a flying monkey's ass what he's doing off the pitch. He, he could be scratching his ass in the middle of a cornfield for all I care. Um, it's what he does on the pitch that I'm, I'm interested in. Um, and I'd rather have Norwood mouthing off on Twitter, right, left and centre and... Um, sort of having a crafty one up a oak tree that's fine with me as long as he scores goals uh, that seems to me a better bet than having a sort of a squeaky keaton player person who wears a suit and tie looks immaculate but is an absolute dog shit um speaking of which bono evans what the fuck is the point of him <laughs> well <clears throat> yeah he's um he's flattered to deceive hasn't he he w when we signed him it was kind of made out to be the, the second coming of um of the kind of head of a monotheistic um religion wasn't it really but um yeah he he's flattered to deceive i don't think we've seen the best of him um he you know he didn't even play that well when he scored three against donny did he really but um and not told off for getting forward too much yeah I mean, this this is this is the this is the problem really the, the the main issue that we've had all season is the midfield isn't it be it under Cook for the majority of the season where we've kind of had two two oh, I hate I hate this phrase the two pivots in midfield uh and and, and the number 10 they just haven't um clicked really they've uh, and they've made kind of everybody else's job uh, down the flanks that little bit harder haven't they which is kind of in turn isolated the number 10 the thing, I mean, I've said to you this before, if you've got those two deep lying ones there, then Cook's system is the fullbacks push up. If the fullbacks aren't pushing up, you don't need two deep liers. So you tweak and you push one forward, which which lends itself to Fraser or Carroll or El Mazzuni to get forward. Equally, that number 10, which you highlighted, the problem there, they're playing so far up, they're almost on the edge of the penalty areas of number 10. There's no space to play in there. They need to drop deeper. And it's just those little in-game tweaks. If you pushed one of those two pivots forward, drop the 10 back deeper, if you're going to play 4-2-3-1, then you've got more space to play. And the number of times where, play, where teams can run through that gap behind the 10 in front of the two sitting midfielders, and they've got the, the, the freedom of set midfield there. It just, just a little tweak. And that's what I liked about McGreal. He did those tweaks. But two up front, please, two up front. It works because, because you don't have... 
you look at Plymouth, you look at Forest Green in League Two, they're getting players in the box. How many times do, do you find that Bombers pulled wide to create a chance and you've got one player in there? You know, and you, you saw it previously when um, you had Sears or you had somebody else up front in previous seasons. They pull wide, they create, create a chance, and there's no one in there. There's no one on the far post. Chaplin's got his six goals because he poaches around the six around the far post area, gets the knockdowns, the flick-ons, the goalkeeper sort of palms it out, and there he is. And having two up front just manages to get those extra players in the box to snaffle the half chances. If we'd have only had one player in the box, Wood nor would have scored today. Well, not today, on Saturday. You know, because that's how you're getting the chances by having them. Otherwise, you've got to be so perfect on your chances. But Evans, he's Which? just... He's he's not a he's not a box to box. He's not a playmaker. I just don't see what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, I just you just saying there, um, being so perfect on your chances. That's exactly what the stats were showing us when we were averaging two goals or three goals a game. Um, was that it wouldn't last? Is that our xG was so uh, the conversion rate was so high considering that we had. I think this is this is true the least amount of open field chances in the league. And yet we were the highest scorers by about eight goals. Mm. It's clearly not sustainable. And I think what we see, what we were seeing in the last six or seven games when we continued the one up front was kind of the the, the, the fruits of the labour becoming a bit more stabilised. And um, again, I didn't see Saturday's game, but I would agree with the two up front uh, thesis because in the day when we started reverting to the mean or what we should have been performing at, the goals have dried up. And you can point out a number of reasons for that. But this is, we're going from quite uh, detailed stats to a very old cliche. If you're not in the box, you can't score. If you're a striker, you know, um, yes, you can ping a 35 yarder, but I, I don't think we've got many players capable of doing that. And you certainly can't bank on doing that uh, too many times in a season. So, at the end of the day, if McGrill's come in and, and he's taken, what, a week, seven, eight days, was it, between his coming in and the winning game? Taking him eight days to decide that's what he, how he wants to progress. And, OK, he can't have gotten any worse than Charlton, so you, you're working off ground zero. But if he's decided that after eight days, what does that then say? Well, it can say a lot of things, but I'll leave, I'll leave it open to interpretation. What does that say about the players that we've got, the, the manager that we had, and, and what McGrill is like in terms of his own capabilities? Mm, well said. And um, I want to bring in you, Matt, here to get involved in the conversation. You know, I think we all just wanted a reaction, didn't we, on Saturday after the terrible performance on Tuesday night. We just want to react. We had a few more hours, of course, but we just wanted that reaction. And I think we got that, didn't we? Definitely the overall period. It wasn't. It still wasn't great, but it was an improvement on that Tuesday night game. We did. Um, I mean, I, I certainly think we had uh, a little bit more fight um we looked more organized we looked more up for it um i think the first half um you know i was a little bit concerned going into half time that we'd that we would end up losing um but i do think it was it was a decent comeback from us we created quite a lot of chances um like david said mcgrill's in-game management is was fantastic seeing you know the confusing thing for me i think i said to um I think I said to Dazza and Louis at half time, have have 
have Genoi in KVY swaps? Because they're both they both wear the same boots and they both have the same kit. And, you know, they're both a little bit similar stature type thing. Obviously, KVY is a little bit more spindly. Um, but just seeing that, I don't think we would have seen that from, from, from Kirk. And I'm glad that McGrill did that because KVY obviously played for McGrill at left back um, for Cole Yu. And Genoi has played some absolutely, I, I won't say blinding, he's been good. Uh, at right back this season, obviously tying in with Wesley Burns, um, who sadly uh, is 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 absent. But yeah, let's get back to the game. It was, um, yeah, like I said, it had a bit of bite. I thought, you know, some of the lads we were talking to uh, pre-game were, you know, we thought there was there was going to be a red card. There almost was. Perhaps they should have been because I was stood by some people that did see um, an alleged. I don't think it was a stamp. An Ipswich player has been accused of walking over the foot of a Wigan player who then went down like he'd had, um, you know, uh, unconsensual surgery to to the ankle. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a lovely stadium at Wigan. It was a, I, I like how steeply banked the, the away end is there behind the goal. So there's no kind of bad views, really. Um, the kit. Oh, Please sell the kit. I don't think they will. Uh, you know, I won't go into that for whatever reason. But yes, it was just this whole you need to work on a new formation for six weeks or whatever to to make players familiar with it. Let's let's not forget that the vast majority of players in our team grew up playing football um, <clears throat> in England, went to school in England. And that's all we really have ever done at school is a 4-4-2 for your school team and then your county team. Um, and I think most people have got an idea how to play it. Um, the thing that concerned me was seeing Chaplin out on the right and uh, the real, well, I say he's the real Eduardo, generational talent, 17 games, no goals, no, assist, no assists. I think he is, as the great Dr. Watson would say, he's in the amber zone at the moment when it comes to should he be dropped, but who else have we got? Aluko, when he came on, I think Aluko and Norse changed the game. Um, I don't think Aluko is quick enough now to be an out-and-out wide uh, midfielder. He certainly is good enough. Um, I don't think he's got the pace every time he got the boys closed down by a couple of people. But Norse was just up for it, wasn't he, man? I mean, he, he came on. I'm surprised he didn't take someone's head off on. I think he went went up for a challenge with a bit of a leading with a leading arm or whatever, but it was just, you know, that kind of, that performance kind of got back a little bit of faith that I think a lot of us uh, lost on, um, on Tuesday in, in South London. And it kind of makes me interested for the next couple of games. So um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my take on, my, in fact, no, it's not my take on Wigan because I've not finished yet. Uh, Morsey, Morsey, like for f- five minutes, for five minutes, Morsey, the Egypt, the Wolverhampton Egyptian king looks looks brilliant. But then five minutes later, he's kind of running all over the place, kind of like some kind of like some dog that's been let out of a zoo or whatever. It's just like, oh, my God, it's just like, but then like he's he's such he's such I, I like him so much because like, like I'm, I'm not being like I'm about to swear you would not fuck with Sam Morsey. Let, let's face it. If you're in a bar having a drink, 
and you've got like Sam Morsey next to you and some like big fella comes up and starts on you. A bit like what some of the Wigan fans have done when they saw when they saw certain tweets from the Ipswich community saying your players dived. Well, guess what? They did. Um, he's going to stick up for you. So I'm sure some of the Ipswich squad have kind of been like peeled a new pair by 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 Sam um, since he came in. But we just that central midfield like really, really concerns me. Um, and I think so far they've kind of gotten away with it because we've just been shambolic in other areas, really. And and Evans, uh, I don't know. I think I think he's now more likely to be dropped now that Cook isn't here because obviously he was, well, him and Morsey were, they were kind of Cook's captains, weren't they? And and Evans was the, the yeah, they, Evans was the marquee signing, wasn't he, in the summer? Um, so I don't know, but we've got a lot of players to come in. I'd, I'd like to see Carol, the Rakeem, the Dream. Once they figure out how to use him, of course Idris as well. So yeah, but Harper but could come in quite happily into that position if he's not being asked to be a defensive midfielder, which is yeah. what he's not. If you, yeah. if you if you're playing him as a proper box to box to break in, you know, a Tommy Miller type, then Harper can do that. If yeah. you ask him to be a disciplined sort of. Um, stick at the back who just sort of stands there and does something to keep other people going that's not his game yeah yeah i do i do i do also think sorry bloomers come on mate no i was just saying you'd like to think that like we have there's other players in this team who can do that role of just be at the back be a stick and allow other people to get forward because harper clearly has more talent than a lot of these players in going forward but you're not going to see it if he just stays back and again it's it's down to the new manager or this interim one to 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 get the best out of him if slash when he starts slash comes on. Yeah. Um and I think also that's a lot of slashes in one sentence bloomers as well. I think it was still grammatically correct. So I think I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I was gonna say is Piggott, I understand and respect David's opinion on on Rodney Piggott. I just think he is that that poor guy, he he is so rusty, he just needs a bit of game time. Um I think Wednesday could be the game for him, because I mean, if I if I travel a thousand mile round journey on Wednesday and we're playing a load of people with squad numbers in the fifties and sixties, I'm not going to be happy. I want to see Rodney Piggott. I want to see Nors. I want to see. I reckon we might see an appearance from Holy Guacamole. Who knows? I don't care who plays really, as long as they're kind of like a senior pro. Um, so, yeah, but I think Piggott, we said to, you know what, he'll score one and then he'll go on a scoring streak of like scoring in 12 yeah. games in a row to catapult us into fifth. I just don't think he's as pivotal and great as he is his record at Wimbledon suggests. I think that they played to his strengths. And I think that there are other players with greater movement and things. I think he needs to play straight down the middle and be given the service and he will score. I think he works really hard and I think he's got an eye for goal, but I don't think that he's got that intelligence and movement. And when, particularly when he was playing up front in a couple of games earlier on the season, fairly recently, then he was, he was drifting wide and trying to bring players in and he didn't have the pace to then get back into the other position. You need to say, right, you're in the middle, we'll get the ball to you, you score. You can't make him sort of a complete forward who's going to sort of like bring other players into the game. That's not his, that is not his thing. So you're saying uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of being half critical of him. Feed the pig and he will score. 
Is that what you're saying? But, but pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but, you, but you've got to put him into the middle and say, right, everybody else is going to service you. You know, rather than saying you you are going to be able to drop deep, go all of those things against. Um, uh, must have been um, the Arsenal game again. He was drifting wide so much in the last ten. No, it wasn't. It was it was the um, Barrow game. He was drifting wide and deep so much in that game that he just wasn't effective. The last ten minutes, when he became a real threat, and I was suddenly impressive in that last ten minutes. That was when he decided, whether it was a McGreal instruction or not, McGreal wasn't there then, whatever reason, he started playing straight through the middle. He became much more dangerous, and that's what he needs to do. Is You mark it out, you've got the edge of the penalty area, edge of the penalty area, you stay in the middle there. We'll get the ball to you. And I think he'll, be, I think he'll score us goals. But you can't mm -hmm. expect him to do the Bon or um, McGoldrick thing of, Dropping deep, finding, creating—that's not his game. I think that's that's that sounds pretty much fair. Um, I'll quickly. This will be the final bit about Wigan, and actually, the end of this will uh, lead into the second thing that was on the agenda. So, thank you. Segue nicely. Yeah, I'm just going to do your job for you. Hang on, go get a cup of tea. And come back in five minutes. Um, <laughs> I'm looking again when you don't go to a game or even really able to follow it that well it's easy enough to just at the end of the game look at the stats watch the highlights and, and try and give a semblance of an idea of of how it was and also actually the timelines of uh your colleagues ross helped as well because you can go back and, and see what they were thinking as the game was going on at the end of the day there wasn't a, a cigarette paper to split really same amount of shots on target pretty much the same possession passes pass accurate everything is is pretty much identical which would then lead you to believe that it's 1-1's an acceptable scoreline. And 1-1 away to Wigan is an acceptable scoreline. The issue I have is that in isolation, fine, that's that's great to have it, but it's just so beyond the pale now that, you know, acceptable scorelines like that aren't going to be worth their salt. And it's a bit of a shame. Well, it's not really a bit of a shame, is it? Let's be honest. Like, because we made a rod for our own back by not allowing it to be acceptable and giving us absolutely no rope. We are ropeless. So, um, okay, whatever. It's a good. It is a good result. But the frustrating thing is that it's not really going to cut much mustard with with many people, and I can completely understand that. And lastly, the, the James Norwood coming on and scoring. First of all, yeah, ob obviously he did. Like obviously, <laughs> like it's James Norwood and the celebration. Of course, he did that. Um, for those of you who haven't seen, and the camera actually cut away quite quickly. But I, by the looks of it, he did sort of joggish towards the touchline but put the, his hand across his back and sort of make a gesture towards somebody whoever that might be um we've all been very well various levels of of critical of norwood off the pitch and on it as well although on it his uh his record is good it's probably better than good to be perfectly honest um some people are, are very against the idea of uh James Norwood being given another chance and whatever but look at the end of the day this is sport professional sport and whether you like it or not sportsmen will be given more chances than pretty much anyone and uh some of the stuff James Norwood has done or allegedly done or whatever um pales in significance to some of the other people even in these leagues that have been given second chances like you look at the rap sheet of players like Luke McCormick Lee Hughes to name two examples, Troy Deeney is quite a famous example. You know, 
these are people that have done allegedly a lot worse than uh, James. I'm just saying allegedly about eight times just to get get myself away from anything. But he will be given another chance if he performs on the pitch. And some people will care about that. Some people, like David, won't care about that. And what I'm basically saying is I'm pretty sure 95% of people won't care if he did score and score and score and score and score. So whether I like it, it's almost like a Michael Chopper situation. Like, it almost doesn't really matter a jot if, if the goals go in, but if it becomes too much of an off-field problem, then obviously people will step in. But if you're going to be offended that he gets a second, third, fourth, fifth chance, then that's kind of on you. And if you get upset that he scores a goal for us, that's also kind of on you as well. But again, you two or three have your own opinions and then let's hear them. Well, that's perfect segue to in the James Nord chat because it had to be him, as you said, him to come off the bench and score the first time he's played for a while. Um, and when he has played, he has scored. Um, so, David, you, you mentioned it briefly in the roundup for Wigan and you, you say you didn't care what, what he's done. If he plays and he scores, you're happy. But, you know, it's just yeah. good to see him back on the field and he, he just does what he does. He scores goals, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the huge problem across his time has been, really has been the injuries, hasn't it? Um, and if I have a question mark about Norwood, it comes down to the fact that I wonder whether when he joined us, he was more of a non-league player playing above himself because he had an instinct for finishing, but he didn't necessarily have that um, fitness regime that you'd expect from somebody playing in League One into the Championship. That's I, uh, that's just a suspicion I have. That I have no proof, no evidence. That's just a feeling. You know, but... It's for, for me, I mean, not just footballers. Generally, I don't care what you do in your personal life, right? If you, you could be a journalist, you could be a reporter, you could be a teacher, you could be a nurse, you could be anything you like. I don't care. You go to work and you do your job. If you do your job well, what you're doing elsewhere doesn't matter, as far as I'm concerned. So, this idea that you've got to sort of in some way be an impeccable human being by somebody else's arbitrary set of standards. Recently, I had somebody had a go at me because I was campaigning for um, rainbow laces and stuff. And they said, oh, you swear you've, you've let yourself down. You can't be taken seriously because you swear. Excuse me. They're completely separate things in the similar way. He's a footballer. He's paid to score goals. If he's gobby online, or if he's a complete bell end and sort of um, breaks fences or um, crashes cars into lampposts for a fun or whatever it happens to be, it doesn't really matter. He's paid to score goals. And the other part of that is we complain all the time about managers and players being anodyne and giving us nonsense things like, yeah, the boys are hurting, we go again. Uh, we'll regroup and uh, yeah, we'll we'll dig in and we'll we'll go again and uh, yeah, uh, some hard work on the training ground, boys, um, and all of that nonsense. And then Norwood gives good good entertainment on social media. You know, he answers back. If somebody gives him grief, he gives it back. What what do you want? Do you want somebody who's going to be completely anodyne and media savvy and say nothing? and bore the living tits off you. You get somebody who then puts the head above the parapet and gives an opinion, and then you get all arsy because he's given an opinion. His opinion, you've just had a go at him. Why shouldn't he bite back, frankly? Um, you know, you can't have it both ways. You, 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 you're you either going to have Mr. Tedious 
or you're going to have the Alex Higginses of the world. And everybody says they want the Alex Higginses of the world, except when Alex Higgins actually does something, when in which case they start clutching their pearls and falling over. Give me more Norwoods. And what he does off the field, I don't care. I want him to score goals. If he scores me 20 goals this season from, from now or another 15, one in two goals, then absolutely fucking brilliant as far as I'm concerned. And he can run around where whichever village he is with a pair of trousers on his head, um, shout, shouting abuse at the local vicar, and I really don't care. I'm playing devil's advocate here. Um, but and I'm not saying anything that he's done or not done is has done this, but obviously you're an Ipswich fan, massive fan. What if what he does brings the club into distribute? Right. If he's on, so he's on he's on the team coach on the way home, and um, it says Ipswich Town on the side, and he pulls a Mooney out of the bus window uh, at a passing um, thing. Okay. Yeah. Find him. Give him, you know, sort of whatever like that. And he says, I'm really, really sorry. And then he goes and does some community work. You know, cool. Uh, You said about um, Chopra. Chopra's problem was that his off-field problems came to damage what he was doing on the pitch because it was, you know, it was getting in the way. It's the same as Merson said about his drinking problem. It got in the way of him, him playing. He wasn't as effective a player. If you've got a drinking problem, but it doesn't affect your your work life, it's not a problem for your for your employer. It, it that that's my thing above and beyond everything else. Yeah, if you if you're doing something which has brought the club into disrepute because you've done it on club duty in some way, then yeah, fine. But if it's nothing to do with your employment, you're not wearing the shirt at the time, you're not on club business, then really just get on with it. You know, there's a whole load of fans want John Terry. John Terry has a history which is well documented. Um, and if we're prepared to give John Terry, who has nothing to do with the club, hasn't done anything like that, well documented things and go, yeah, we want him because he's a big name and he might perhaps be a good manager, although there's no evidence of it. Why aren't we prepared to give Norwood that time? You know, as far as I'm concerned, get it. I mean, if, he, if he's playing well, he's got the fire, he's got the hunger, he's got the fight, go for it, put him in there, score goals, win. That's above and beyond what I want all the time. Same with the manager. When they come in, I don't really give a flying monkey's ass who it is. I want to win more games than I lose. That's why I wanted Cook out, because we were we weren't winning enough. Simple. Mm. Well said. Well said, David. And uh, I think that's the perfect way to sort of segue into the next section. I'm sorry, Bonnie. I'm sure you would have a say on Norwood. We've got, I'm sure, got many more weeks and months to talk about him anyway. Um, but let's actually talk about who the next man will be. Uh, we are going to mention Christian Walton later on because it has been a, a report about Brighton possibly recalling him in January and possibly selling him on and all that jazz. But I thought, as David said there, John Terry, there's loads of different names out there. Of course, more betting favourites, not actually names being linked to actually be talked about and shortlisted. I know Neil Harris has been reported by us the same day of times um, as being a manager that has been talked about. But uh, I want to go over to you, Matt. A talk about the shortlist. Neil Warnock's in there. There's a few other managers. Um, for you, what do you think of that list and the, the managers that are being linked at the moment? While you cough, you're fine. You okay, mate? You're good. I'm good. I was just clearing my um <coughs> my um speculum. That's not the right word. Anyway, um, the list. Well, the list kept on changing. The list was almost like you could 
pop into Stowe Market Library, couldn't you, and get it from the fiction section? Because there was never in a million years that we would get half of those names. Um, a, they either wouldn't want to come, B, we couldn't afford them, or three, we wouldn't even want them at our club. Um, and I still, you know, as much as as much as the three lions and all the game changer boys have, have, have impressed me, the part the part of them that we don't know, obviously we have seen the teeth of the three lions now with um, Mr. Cook's departure. We don't know what sort of plan that they want to implement. You know, are they going to want a young manager to be with us for 10 years and build like academies and all that jazz and take us to European glory like some, football manager save or are we now going to want some geezer to come in sort the troops out rally them and um sneak into sixth place um in the middle of may um i i don't know how to call it um there's various sources out there some more believable and um kind of honorable if that's the right credible that's it credible um than than the others um what i have seen from the last few polls is that league one is not the place for us to play formations like four two three one trying to play intricate football you know i remember i remember marcus evans kind of sat there when he did his video when he sat kind of to the side reading the prompts from the uh from the blackboard in the in the director's room when he did that video and then when he came out denying that there was going to be a takeover three days before there was a takeover saying things like you know let's get back to playing the Ipswich way well well what is the Ipswich way you know we're not Man U we're not Liverpool we're not Arsenal um what way did we play when we were successful um oh that's right. So when we were successful in my lifetime, which was 20 years ago, we played 4-4-2. And you look at that team, you look at the promotion playoffs, there's no way in hell that the, any of those four midfielders could actually slot. A, it's like four central midfielders spread across the pitch, but it worked. So that's why I was a sad git. And at the end of last week, I studied stats of the likes of Neil Harris and I really liked what he did and if he can come in what he was able to do at Cardiff as well is he was able to go there and intuitively that was the word that I picked out from quite a few reports of his kind of first first bit of time at Cardiff he intuitively identified the issues that they had um put them right and got them playing well again. And he did the same at Millwall as well. My only concern about the likes of Neil Harris coming in and playing that basic 4-4-2, you might call it direct, you might call it long ball, other learned, maybe slightly more mature, rational, free thinkers and seekers of truth of truth and justice like myself, might just call it a good way of using the ball. So you know, the possession might be low, but the pass accuracy rate is very, very high. Um, you have a high amount of shots on goal, but also a high amount of shots on target. Um, high amount of goals from, from set pieces. I, I just 
that just sounds like sexy football. I, I don't want to. I don't want to be like Man City or Arsenal in the um, Invincibles thing, where you where you pass it thirty times. We had it at Sunderland, didn't we? We went there. We went up there. We played some absolutely lovely stuff at the Stadium of Light last month, but we didn't come away with anything at all because every time we had a chance to to shoot, we passed it. And then we passed it again, and then we passed it again, and then we lost that opportunity. We were a little bit more direct against Wigan on Saturday, but I just feel we need somebody. We don't need a sexy name coming in. We're Ipswich, yes, but we're Ipswich in League One, the third tier of English football. We want somebody to come in that knows what they're doing, that's got like a chalkboard, that's got a tactic sheet, and he's saying, right, boys, I want you to do this. I said earlier, my only concern, that was a lie because I've got another concern. My other concern is if we do have a more direct creature come into us, like a Harris, like a Warnock, we might not necessarily, and I said that deliberately wrong, we might not necessarily have the players and the personnel to make that work. But I'm now of the opinion that they, they really didn't have anybody lined up. Because, you know, it's been, what, nine days? Nine days, yeah, nine days since the the shock and awe of the Cook departure. And I just think, you know, maybe they're waiting. Maybe they're waiting until the end of the season to bring somebody in for three, four, five years. And that, yeah, we might be getting somebody short term. But my preference would be Neil Harris um, because I think it's a chance – or it's a case of it's not what you want, it's what you need. So over to the next expert. Well, um, take it, take the floor is yours. Whoever wants to come in, the list. I don't think I've ever been called an expert before. That's nice. Um, here's a surprise I'm hacked off. Um, <laughs> I'm hacked off with, well, a multitude of different things. See you later, Bono. <laughs> I'm, I'm hacked off with a multitude of different things. Um, it also makes me die that over the last week, the only person that's come out of any credibility is James fucking Norwood. Uh, I don't know how that's happened. But the, 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 the decision makers at the club, assuming it's mainly Ashen, the decision makers at the club have almost put themselves in an impossible situation now because if... Well, sacking Cook when they did, whether we really wanted it to happen or not, and I've that's uh, a split between the fans. Whether we really want it to happen or not, the idea of sacking him at that time meant that they thought this season wasn't lost because otherwise they wouldn't have sacked him when they did. But the fact that they've clearly got no one lined up means that every day that goes by and the results carry on the way that they have been or the, over the two games, it's, it's less and less likely that the season is salvageable. And also by delaying it day by day, you're expecting... Uh, a better reaction from your fans in that you, they want a most of them want a big name, and from what we've seen on the on the uh, dirt sheets in terms of who might come come in, there isn't one of them on there. Well, give or take a couple that seem extremely unlikely to happen for whatever reason. So, if you want, thought the season was salvageable, then um, or put it this way, if you thought the season was salvageable and you sat cook and then you've not got anyone in. Okay, fine, but the way that the, the process has gone on means that your primary objective for Sackenkirk has become less and less likely. And if you've 
sacked Cook when you did and you had a main target, well, then you clearly haven't. But, you know, they turned you down or whatever. Then, OK, you've left holding an empty bag. And then otherwise, you, you keep Cook and whatever. You play out the season, you think, and then you make your decision. But that's not where we're at. So forgive me for looking at the list and thinking where the hell. I still have absolutely no idea who's going to be in charge of this football club in, in, in two, in, for the Barrow game. Like whether it be McGrill or whatever, how many games McGrill gets. I honestly don't have a clue. Ross, you might have a clue, but you're keeping your cards close to your chest. I don't know. No idea, mate. No idea. Okay. No idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it, it, the whole thing is just a bit baffling now because the way that it all started last Saturday at 6.30pm after a tepid one nil-nil uh, draw in the FA Cup is, is one thing. But for them things to reach where they are now just seem, just seems even weirder. Um, I do. I want Neil because Neil Harris is the bookie's favourite at the moment. So let's just go off. He's the most likely to get the job. Do I want Neil Harris? Uh, I don't know. Do I appreciate that he got promoted via the playoffs with Millwall, got to the playoffs with Cardiff in the league above? Okay, yeah, great. That is pedigree of some calibre. Um, but I just feel like that. The, the, first of all, I honestly think the club's cursed. So. Uh, whether we get in uh, the, the the son of Pep Guardiola, I don't know if he has a son, the son of Pep Guardiola would make a, a bit of difference. Um, I have zero kind of almost expectation for any manager to come in and save this season. Um, and I think that's what's, what's so damaging is that actually these new ownership, everyone was expecting something to happen that was beautiful and then it seemed that all the right decisions were being made in summer and lo and behold, <laughs> it's exploded and it's not even December the 25th yet. So would I take Neil Harris? I'm, I'm using an emoji in real life because I don't have an actual word for it. And if you're only listening to this, the emoji was a person shrugging their shoulder with their hand in the air because that's, that's all I can do at the moment. Uh, apologies that that was just a stream of consciousness, but I, it's just been rattling around in my head these last this last week, and sort of playing on my mind more and more and more. And it's it, it's a part of the reason why I'm so annoyed because it just doesn't seem to be anything. Also, just actually last thing before before I hand up to David, if whoever we hire, Ashton comes out and goes, yeah, it was our first choice. I hope that uh, he gets absolute pills because it'll be absolute fucking bollocks. I don't think there's a chance in hell whoever that we appoint is going to be someone their first choice. Because if that was the case, they'd have been in the door already. Okay, David. Um, follow that up. Go ahead. The <laughs> list. The list. Neil Harris. Quite a whoever it could be. I, I. I think. That, I mean, first of all, going back a stage to Cook going, I think that's because the season is gone, um, essentially, and I think that. I don't. I don't think that you just leave him in place to hope that it carries on and then change in the in the summer. If it if it, if it, if it's gone, which I think it has, because we I mean we before the Wigan game. I don't know where we are now. I haven't looked at the table because it's pointless. Nine points, nine yeah. points off now. Right. Well, we were six points off. We were six points off ninth. So you've got to think six points just to reach ninth before the Wigan game, and other teams are going to be picking up points and things. And I think that for me, the reason that decision was made and whether or not he was somebody they wanted in the first place when they took over. Okay, the decent manager, we'll, we'll, we'll trust that because he, he knows the club. When he starts saying those players aren't 
up to it and we need to have some more recruitment i think they just went actually sorry you you've just signed 19 of them what the flight whose fault is it if that no 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 <laughs> bye in terms of who i want one i don't know um ultimately because i don't i, I don't have um encyclopedic knowledge of who's available you know some we've talked about people who are currently employed um you don't know who's available all of those sort of things i know what i don't want very very clearly i don't want a big name for the sake of it being a big name i don't give a flying monkey's tit whether you've been playing for chelsea um or whether you've got a season ticket old season ticket at real madrid it doesn't matter um it's the same as players. Players aren't necessarily good because they've made one appearance for Manchester United 40 years ago in the League Cup. It, it, that's not, not relevant. So John Terry, we don't know whether John Terry or Frank Lampard are decent managers at all. I mean, Lampard's had huge amounts of money and things and hasn't done anything, but he might, he might not. Terry's been an assistant manager. He might, he might not. There's a danger in, so I don't want one of those and I don't want a serial failure. I'm really, really pleased that Adkins hasn't been mentioned properly because that was a fear because that would be horrendous. Please no. Um, McLaren, absolutely fucking not in a month of Tuesdays. Um, no, just no. All of those serial failures who just get sacked from one job after another, just no. So I know what I don't want. There are two other routes. One is this of um, technical manager, the coach, the head coach who's going to come in and sort of like make us do beautiful things and sort of everyone's going to just sort of like emerge into some sort of slurry of um, wonderment at the amazing passing football we've got in League One against Rotherham, which isn't going to happen because they're thugs and they fuck you up and get into you, which is exactly what they should be doing because it's effective. That, but that that's it's good it's, it's what they're good at do what you're good at um which is a way and i can see the merit in that in some ways um you know the liam manning type progressive all of those exciting things my worry is that we'll be beautifully pretty and eighth um and i don't see the point in being beautifully pretty and eighth i'd rather be pig ugly and first thank you very much um so that's one way. The other way is the, the person who's got the track record and is pig ugly, you know, a, a younger, better, sexier McCarthy. Um, principally, I don't want to just look at the track record. Cook's got a good track record, except here. Lambert had a good track record, but not here. Keane had a good track record, but not here. Jules got two promotions, but not here. Hurst had got a recent track record, a young and up-and-coming manager, not here. I want to see what they can actually do. It's like Bono was saying. You look at it, how do you how do you go about setting that team up? How how do you go about transforming and changing? Do you want to sign 19 new players and throw out all, all of everything that's gone before? Or are you going to identify what we've got and improve it incrementally, which is what Burley did? You know, yeah, make some signings. Nobody wanted Burley. When Burley was appointed, everyone was up in arms about it because he managed to air and then he hadn't pulled up trees in half a season at Colchester. And everyone was going, oh, it's terrible. Why are we appointing him? It's just because he used to play for us. Magilton, everybody hounded out of the club because he kept playing his favourites and things. And all of these things are forgotten in, in memory. 
I didn't want Lyle at the time because I just thought, well, top at, top at Christmas, bottom at Easter with West Ham. Didn't want him. And that I was wrong. <laughs> what did I know? You know, other I was perfectly happy with Hurst. I thought, yeah, that'll work. It didn't. So Matt, appointing a manager is a hit and miss thing. It's not a science. Otherwise, you wouldn't have so many sacked. I want to see somebody who's effective. I want to see winning. And if that means getting the ball forward quickly, which Burley, which Burley did, it's not necessarily long ball. It's direct passing. Liverpool do it. They pass the full board directly. It just happens to be Robertson, Salah, goal. And no one says that's long ball. That's that's precision, long passing. I want to see the ball getting forward and I want to see it in the opposition to that and I want to see us winning. And if that involves playing like Rotherham, great. If we happen to play pretty football along the way and we win, cool. But I want to see goals. I want to see victories. And I'd be perfectly happy with Neil Harris doing that. I don't think that Warnock's a serious option. I think Harris is a serious option and probably three three managers we've never heard of, which is what's going on at the moment. And all of the speculation is because like those players who we signed who we didn't realise we're going to sign, Ashton's very good at keeping a ship which doesn't leak. Um, so I think that there's probably going to be talks with people we don't know about at the moment, um, which is hard luck on the East Anglian and us doing um, speculation on social media. It's just so unfortunate that we don't leak anymore. Um, maybe somebody can go to a barber's and overhear some conversations or something like that. But it's, yeah, Harris is fine for me because because he gets, he gets wins. And that's what I want. And I don't care about the style of play. I just want to win. I'm there fed up losing. Fed up with yeah. losing. Yeah, as as Bloomer said, we are cursed. We are pretty much cursed. Um, so any manager that comes in here, he could or she could be cursed because uh, they'll when they come into the training ground, they come into the stadium, they become cursed. But we'll wait and see. That's good chat. I enjoyed There's that. Hopefully, the pardon. There's your title for the pod. <laughs> We're cursed, pretty much. Yeah, we are cursed. Or uh, had to be him. Um, of course, with the James Nord thing, that is the big talking point from the weekend. But um, let's move on. Uh, we're nearly over an hour now. We hope you've enjoyed <laughs> listening. Um, but no, it's good chat. It's been good chat. Of course, of course. Definitely when uh, David's on. I'm joking, David. Always good chat with you. Um, but let's talk quickly about Christian Walton. Uh, that was rumoured, uh, reported on Sunday um, from The Sun. That, uh, yeah, I know. I know, David. I know, David. Um, that... Brighton are looking to recall him and trying to sell him. He is out contract this summer. Um, of course, he didn't have a great debut for town, but since then, he has done well. Um, of course, still a bit, I'm a bit worried about him sometimes with his uh, distribution and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I want to go over to you quickly, Matt. Uh, your thoughts on this. Um, how much has he improved since that debut game? And uh, would you want to sign him permanently? And, or do you reckon he's only here because of Paul Cook? Um. Yeah, he's he's night and day now. Um, he looks assured. He looks confident. Um, he looks like a player that's on loan from a Premier League team. He's got. He's. You know what? He seems like a really nice kid as well. Well, he's not kid. He's quite old, but but you know, he seems like a really nice guy. And he's. Uh, I do think he's a little bit. He's a little bit chilled out, which kind of gives me the jitters a little bit, but. On Saturday against Wigan, he looked really, really assured, which is good. So, um, if you're listening, Mark Detmer and Co, sign him up because uh, you know what? If he goes, I think we're going to have to sign somebody else. And I don't want to be known as a club that's played like four goalies 
in a season. Um, I'd like to see Hartkey given another go, but he's just, uh, yeah, I, I think, to be honest, if we got another goalie, it would be another goalie as a backup to Walton. Um, and Hartkey needs to go out and get some confidence and some game time because undoubtedly he is quality. Um, I, I do think, you know, he might have lied on his CV by saying he was about six foot two because he's turned up and he's only just a little bit taller than Scott Chaplin. But um, yeah, sign him up. Okay then. Um, Bloom is Dave. I'll let you take the floor quickly on Walton and then we'll move on to Barrow, um, the replay that no one wanted. Um, I'm sure the players didn't want it, but unfortunately they didn't turn up and they didn't perform and Paul Cook got sacked afterwards. But uh, David Bloom is Walton. Well, I'll keep mine really short and sweet then. Yeah, I... I, I, I... At the end of the day, um, it's quite simple for me, really. This, if, uh, if you have someone on loan and there's a recall clause, then this could happen to you. So if it happens, there's no point in crying about it. You know it might happen. You move on. Um, you better hope Claggy or Holy's up to the task. So it's up to the manager or the goalkeeping coach or whatever to make sure they are there. Next man up mentality and all that. And then wider one is if uh, if if we want to put a bid in for him, if he's out of contract in the, the season, well, we'll do it then. You know, Mark Ashton or whoever is in charge of the transfer kit, he has got the right and wrong numbers so if you want it to happen make it happen if you don't don't it's that simple really we all like him we think he's a good league one goalkeeper he's performed well up recently of late so yeah if the cover green and want to keep him they'll keep him and if they don't they don't it's simple as that um one i think it's almost complete toss um because it's in the sun uh, i wouldn't trust the sun to tell me my own name frankly um so I, I look at those sources and things like that, and if, if it says the sun, I'm, I'm fairly sure it's going to be a lie. Um, if he goes back, then okay, fine, he goes. But, um, you know, and somebody else will come in. But I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, all right, they could get, what are they going to get? He's got six months left on his contract. He's what third, fourth, fifth choice at Brighton. They don't want him. So a championship side who didn't want him in the summer are suddenly going to be breaking the door down to sign him in January. Which championship club exactly is in dire need of a goalkeeper at the moment? Um, I mean, that's the thing is it's a specialist position and the championship club's got them. So I just... the. The pool is limited as to who's going to sign him. They're not going to get much for him anyway because he's only got six months on his contract. It was in the sun. It's nonsense. Okay, then. Perfect way to end it there and segue into Barrow on Wednesday night, live on ITV. Um, of course, the game, under-23s game, got postponed today um, in town's request, which, well, indicates that we'll be playing a lot of the kids. Um which is a bit of a, a worry. Uh, Bono has left us, unfortunately. He had to rush off. Um, and he's the man that is going to Barrow. So it would be perfect <laughs> to chat about this. But um, I'll, I'll stick with you, David, and talk about the FA Cup in general. You Barrow was just poor. It wasn't great, was it, that game? Um, and it was the end for Paul Cook. Uh, what are you Justified. expecting? What, what are you hoping for? Um, and are you a bit worried that we could possibly be playing the kids? But then we've got still got a strong senior team. You know, Rakeem Harper, Joe Piggott, a lot of players who are still, you know, not playing that regularly in the first team at the moment in the league. So there is players that come in like that. But would you worry, would you be a bit annoyed if we are playing kids? But then we've got a big game on Saturday against Sunderland. I'd be extraordinarily pissed off if we were playing a youth team. Um, 
I, I, my, my ranting would um, reach or exceed Bloomer's levels if we um, piss around with the FA Cup um, doing that. It's, it's one of the only things that I agree with Cook about in his tenure here um, is playing a, a strong side. Um, I'm well documented on this, is the fact that the FA need to start fining t teams who put out weakened sides. It's in the rule book. If you, it doesn't matter whether you're Manchester City, Liverpool or Ipswich or Salford. If you put out a weakened side, you should be fined for it um, and fined heavily for it. I personally would fine you the entire um, match day revenue if you put out week to week inside. That would stop them doing it. Um, it would also stop the FA Cup being undervalued because that's a huge part of it. Why you only get 6,000 bothering to turn up instead of 20,000 is because you pretty much know that the team doesn't care. And that doesn't matter whether it's I mean, uh, uh, that. It's because accountants run football. It's more important to stay in the division than it is anything else. And it pisses me off big time. Yes, we can make some changes for other squad players. And I suspect that the one or two players who may be carrying a knock or something like that will do. I think that we'll probably see somebody like Penny come in, especially seeing his left back's been such an issue. Um, and things generally, I don't think we'll see that too many changes because one, it's been made plain that it ne we need to have that run. Um, I think also, given the anger and the way in which the players have recognised that again after Charlton going into Wigan. I think that the club are aware of the groundswell of opinion. And so they, from pure PR terms, we need to win and get that third round thing. In terms of momentum, I think the, I think the playoffs are gone. I think they're finished. I um, don't think it's a, I don't think it's even pointless unless we go on a lovely run now of five or six games and we're suddenly in touch um i there's no point even talking about it until such time as you can sniff them it's not happening which means the fa cup and a fa cup run to give you that sort of um tail end roy Keane arsenal moment is the only thing we've got this season lincoln went on a run what the semi-finals and they were non-league then say we got to the quarterfinals and got knocked out and we went on a run which took us up to seventh or eighth by the end of the season under a new manager. That serious groundswell of feel-good factor behind it. Go for it. So I want to see a relative. I want to see a strong side with three or four changes based purely on um, you've got a niggle, so I'm going to rest you. That position you're not nailed down like left back. I want to see you. You scored a goal against. Wigan, you deserve a start. You haven't scored in 400 years, therefore you deserve a start to try. So Norwood and Piggott, Penny in, the rest of it. Evans, Evans is a difficult one. Leave him in because he might play himself into form or drop him on account of the fact that he's been a plank. Um, I'd be inclined to drop him for being a plank, give somebody else a chance. Um, yeah, three or four changes, no more and absolutely batter them the drive and the effort that you put in against wigan put that in against a struggling league two side and really build some confidence and momentum going into sunderland if you if we go in with 11 changes and we win and then you change them again for sunderland what have you done 
There's no confidence in that team. There isn't any extra rhythm in that side. Those particular players haven't got a better understanding of how this system works. It's, it's utterly pointless. Utterly pointless indeed. So, strong side, almost first-choice side. Get the momentum going before Sunderland. Just work hard. And batter them, basically, as you said. Um, I've just checked yeah. Barrow's last game. They won 2-0 against Swindon, so they've got... Uh, Probably confidence. I think they've only played one game since they played us in that game. I think their game against Salford, I've just seen, it got a waterlogged pitch, so it got postponed. Um, so, yeah, Bloomers, we had to work hard against Oldham in the replay against them in the first round. Uh, now we've got another replay, which no one really wanted. Um, credit to all the fans who are going to go to Barrow, um, aka Matt, aka Dazza, who's part of this podcast. Um, what are you thinking going into this one? Hopefully, we will do this in normal time. Hopefully, extra time won't be needed or penalties. Uh, What's your reaction with the, the under-23s? Once again, I'm just saying it because i just seen, you know, they, they've postponed the under-23s game. I know the under-18s have got a Youth Cup game on Thursday, but it's probably a game we didn't want after we got Saturday. We've got Sunderland, but what's your take on this and what's your prediction? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, being in probably the 0.1% of fans that have been to Barrow more, uh, Ipswich fans that have been to Barrow the most, I'm a little bit gutted to, to be missing this one, even after saying to myself I would go. Um I'm not I'm not putting as much importance on the FA Cup as maybe other people will. However, with the season all, almost surely all but gone, um, it is pretty much our last chance now to have some fun. Like, it, it, to put it in a general sense. I, I'm not sure how much to look into the fact that it's been postponed, the, the 23s game. And I'm not sure how much of those players that might play in that game will then be seen in, in this game. It, it all depends on what, what John McGrill is thinking. And also if there's any say from a incumbent new manager, even if he doesn't take charge, you might have a say in who does or doesn't play. We, we don't know how far along the management recruitment process is. So I would like to think that we will win because when you play a team that's in the lower reaches of League Two and you're in League One, you should win. Of only games were so easy to predict when they're on paper. Barrow, actually, having known quite a bit about Barrow, actually, um, and, and a bit about sort of how they've, how far they've come in the last five years, I certainly wouldn't look, look past them because they have had some investment that's certainly not in the levels that you know, maybe we have had even in the last few months. They've had steady investment and they've certainly got a plan to become an established um, football league side and they are well ahead of schedule. Getting promotion out of the conference is no easy task because you have one automatic promotion spot for 24 teams, of which nowadays there's probably 17, 18 that are full-time and there's probably about 12 or 13 that are previously established football league clubs, of which Barrow actually weren't one because the last time they were in the football league was in the 1960s. So, They've done phenomenally well to get where they are. And they have a, a, a good manager as well. I, I, I quite like see the, the person that got them to the dance, if you like, uh, in Everett went. But um, they've done well to they've done well with their recruitment. And now they base a lot of their uh, time outside of Barrow because in, in terms of recruiting players, you think it's tough to recruit players to Ipswich. Will you try and be the manager of Barrow? Um, quite literally the arse end of nowhere in, in England. 
So um, yeah, it's 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 going to be a tough game, and and I, I don't know about ticket sales. I assume they've probably sold quite a few because you'd like to think that we're still a a big-ish name when it comes to this stage of the competition. Um, and yeah, Mark Cooper will will have them set up well. I'm sure they will. So it's down to us to break them down, which, oh, great. We've said that so many times before in the past. I can't wait for that to, to bear fruit. At the end of the day, I, I was there for the Lincoln game, the Lincoln away game, and, um, which was probably the last televised FA Cup game we had, the, the, the replay. And I was probably the second angriest I've ever been at a football game <laughs> on the last Tuesday night. Um, that was also the coincidentally the game where I decided that I didn't want Mick McCarthy as the manager of Ipswich anymore. Um but yeah, please let's just avoid any embarrassment. You know, play 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 eleven kids and have seven more on the bench and lose one nil. It's still less of an embarrassment than playing a full team and losing one nil. Um, I think. Well, how can I say we're on TV in the FA Cup? <laughs> how can I possibly suggest that we're going to win? Um, but I will against our better judgment. I'll, 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 let's say one nil because I, I honestly have no idea what the team's going to be like. Um, Bono mentioned he might we might see Holy, yeah, quite possibly. We might see a few more. Maybe Norwood gets a start. It's kind of less of a... Um, it's almost like the spotlight's off him less playing in the cup, despite the fact we're on national TV. I know that sounds a bit backwards, but I think there's a logic in that. And um, fair play to any of the, uh, the the fans that do go, because the proclaimers will have nothing on anybody that makes the journey from Suffolk to uh, to Cumbria and back again, if not the same night, then the next day. It's uh, a hell of a thing to do, even more so in the games televised, and it's on a Wednesday night, and it's near Christmas, and people's money is tight right now. So I doff my cap. It'll be one of those I was there games, if, if you are. And um, do enjoy Baron Finesse because there are some lovely pubs and not too far from the ground. And also, they would probably know this the most famous footballing side of Barrow and Finesse. Footballing side in Barrow? No Football, idea. The most famous footballing son of Barrow and Finesse. There's a statue of him outside the station. And I know this because I've seen it. Sorry, I've, I, to be honest, I've, I've never actually been to Barrow. I've been close, but I've never been to Barrow. Former question. Former, que, former question sport captain Emlyn Hughes. Yeah. His uh, his statue is outside the train station in Baron Finesse. There's your there's your one fact. What was your what were the other facts I said before the podcast, Ross, that you told me to say? Uh the scandal the Icelandic top flight. Oh, oh okay, so nothing to do with Barrow then. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, I like Iceland is probably uh, probably easier to get to than Barrow is because I mean it's fun, I, funny I, I enough. I was, I was looking, so I, I so I got home from uh Kevlovic from from Iceland I was in my uh flat in Ballam at 11:45 at night and it did make me think if I was a Plymouth fan at Sunderland I'd still be on a, a coach back home so madness yeah. oh absolute madness but um but we're going to win 3-0 by the way yeah 3-0 yeah, I think we're going to work hard I think it's going to be a decent decent thing and I think that we're going to win there we go. The curse of TV will be ended. I know we, we got rid of that last season, but um, normally on TV it is a bit of a, a worry. Uh, and definitely FA Cup, you know, that, that record of winning FA Cup games is... I'm, I'm far is... more concerned about the fact that we it, the last time we won in front of a crowd above 21,000 was Newcastle when Hughes scored. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think there, I think there was something like six, six draws and 13 defeats wow. since that. 
um, time. Every single time there's a big attendance, we just completely balls it up. And yeah. this whole blackout Portman Road thing just really worries me because every time more people turn up, the, f- the players disappear. So I'd rather have 15,000 and a win than 28,000 <laughs> and a defeat, frankly. I can comfortably say there'll be about a tenth of that uh, at the at the at Holker Street on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. five thousand and forty-five, one thousand seated. It's a proper old school ground, and it does look. Fa- I mean, again, I'm driven. I, I would love to be going. It it, it, it's just I can't do Tuesdays because self-employed. Tuesday. And I, yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday. Well, I can't do Wednesdays either because I'm self-employed. But <laughs> I would, I would absolutely love to be going. Yeah, I, I, as Blue said, credit to all the fans that are going. Um, that's a long trip on a Wednesday, as you said. It's near Christmas. Um, they're just done Wigan away, if you did go to Wigan. And, yeah, it's just unbelievable journey. <laughs> so, hopefully, it is a good result. Hopefully, we are in the hat for the third round. We have a nice little prize, as I said, at the start of the show. Barnsley away. Oakwell. Uh, Barnsley, of course, struggling in the championship. So, that's a winnable tie. I, what I want, various people have talked about getting Premier League teams and, you know, sort of getting... In Manchester United. I mean, I don't, I don't care. Why, why on earth? I, I want to watch Ipswich win. I don't want to watch them play but some bunch of overpaid clowns. Thank you. What I want to see is I want to see us play like Barnsley, Bristol City, those sort of teams, mid-table, mid-to-lower-table championship sides in the next two, three rounds of the FA Cup because you've then got a benchmark. If you can beat Barnsley, you can beat Bristol City, you can beat, I don't know, um, Middlesbrough, say, yeah. Then you can say, well, if we get promoted, if we by some strange quirk we manage to put that in, you you got a you got a chance next season, and it's putting that benchmark down. Playing Liverpool or anything like that—that's about glory hunters coming along and seeing somebody they've seen on the telly. That's not actually about yeah. anything else. I don't care. I want to see us win. And yeah. Barnsley, Bristol City, Sheffield United—those sort of mid-table sides in the in the Championship are the ones we need to base ourselves against and so the more games we can get against them the better and also the lot the only time we've gone on a cup run in the 21st century the teams we played were exeter one after extra time crew one after extra time millwall northampton uh and west bromwich albion before then playing a big team so it proves david's point you you play who knew if you play more winnable games you might win more of them yeah there we go I think that's a way to, to end the podcast this week. Um, thanks, Bloomers. Thanks, David, for joining me. Also, Bono, who had to leave, but um, it was a pleasure having him on the podcast as well. Hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Fan Social. The flagship Kings of Angle will be back later in the week to discuss the Barrow game. And, and also, you never know, a new town manager. We'll have to wait and see. It's going to be one of those weeks. Uh, will it happen? Will it won't? We will have to wait and see. Uh, make sure to follow us on Kings of Anglia on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, of course, subscribe for all the game day stuff and all the other content that we bring you. Um, make sure to support our sponsors at manscaped.com. Use the code KOA um, and get 20% off and free delivery. Uh, thanks again. Subscribe if you haven't already so you get the podcast in your feed straight away and yeah we'll be back again soon um enjoy barrow if you're going safe trip and uh yeah we'll speak to you next time bye-bye for now from true crime to football brexit to postal more great podcasts from archon head to audioboom.com slash channel slash
great podcast from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.